Welcome to the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Knoll. I'm Jenny Bookler. And I'm Chris Heine. And we are fresh off the Boss Rush boat. We have done plenty of amazing celebratory things in the last several days. Um, as you guys know, on Friday we had an amazing exhibition opening for mm-hmm. over a hundred super cool pieces celebrating the bad guys of all video games. Um, yeah, if, it was giant. It was giant. If you guys made it to the show, it was awesome. We have a lot of great pictures that should be showing up here soon, right, Chris? Yep, pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, lots of really awesome artwork. If you guys haven't had a chance to see it, if you can't make it out in person, you can definitely see it online. Jenny put up an awesome gallery on the shop yep. if, if you'd like to see pieces. Yep. And, and also, also on the website there, yeah. too. So, so there's yeah. plenty of stuff, but lots of really good work. You guys can quiz yourselves of all the bosses that you were able to beat, all the ones that are too hard, um, maybe some ones that you're like, ooh, who's that? Yeah, it's a pretty tough quiz. There's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah. So, But it was really cool. And we got to thinking about the idea of bosses. And then we were like, wait a second. We should talk about bosses, but not those kinds of bosses. We should talk about other bosses. Real life ones. Real life bosses. And we were wondering why it was that your video game bosses are called your boss. Not your boss. Not your boss, Chris. Right. Yeah. Maybe more why... A boss. A video game boss is called a boss. And it's probably because he's a boss of little henchmen who stand in your way before you fight the boss. Tiny minions. Yeah. But sometimes the boss is just like a plant or uh, (laughs) something weird. Oh, you mean in a video game? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I don't know why that is. I have no idea. Didn't you look that up? I feel like you looked that up. Um, I Well, the one thing I did look up is that in some parts of the world... Instead of saying final boss or boss, they say king. Oh. So they say, I fought the last king as the final. That's kind of adorable. <laughs> it is kind of <laughs> funny. I'm going to say that from now on. I fought the last king. Uh-huh. Oh. That's well, cool. Yeah. No, I was thinking about it and I was just like, well, you know, I think all of us at some point in life probably have had a boss, whether that is somebody at your job or maybe it's your parents some- or... Or maybe hit somebody else. <laughs> Some of us might still have bosses. Some of us might still have bosses. Um, and we were talking about this as we were very, very tired as the boss rush opening came to a close. And we went and then sat around for a moment. We were like, why is that? I don't know. And it could have been like our weird, hazy stupor that we were thinking about it. But I, I was like, actually, that would be a really good thing to talk about. So you guys... I'm sure, have had plenty of bosses over the years. Mm-hmm. I have also had plenty of bosses over the years. Tell me, of all of the bosses that you've ever had, <laughs> what what percentage have you viewed favorably? Have I viewed favorably? Probably yeah. a majority. Really? How about you, Jenny? Um, I was trying to think of how many bosses I've actually had, and I think I've had a lot just because I've been in the restaurant industry for a long time. But usually I have four or five bosses there at a time, and they switch out pretty rapidly. So I've probably had like, I don't know, 40 bosses or so in the Whoa. past, which is a lot. How many favorable bosses? Maybe 50%. <laughs> half and half. That's yeah. good. So yours yeah. are more favorable. Um, 
I don't know. I didn't really consider like multiple versions of bosses to, I guess I've had jobs where my, I have a boss and then my boss has a boss and then my oh, boss yeah. has a boss of a boss or whatever. So. Yeah. So are those the really mega your boss, bosses? The big king? Um, your mega boss? Yeah. Your final king? Final king boss. Um, I don't know, but I've had a lot of jobs and they've been weird jobs. So I'm trying to go back through of all of my weird bosses because a lot of my jobs aren't like an office job. Yeah. To list some of my strange jobs, I started working in a tobacco field when I was in fourth grade. <laughs> I feel like that's illegal. I think it is. No, it's not if you don't work over a certain amount of hours a week or something. So, I thought you had to be 15 that's to child be labor. Mm, yeah. I don't think so. Okay. I, I'm pretty sure it's legal. But, Were you so, paid fair rates? No, I, I mean, for a then kid. Two pence. Like, he was well, paid two I'm, pence I'm sure for I didn't do duties. much. You know, like, how much could I have possibly done? I would stack tobacco. That sounds not fun um, as a child. But the boss there was fine. I mean, it was a farmer. Yeah. So that's cool. That's cool. I also worked at a t- television station, and my boss there had a white little kind of poofy cotton ball haircut. That's fun. <laughs> uh, that sounds and, favorable. And he was cool. I mean, he. It, it's funny because looking back, I was like, man, that job was really weird because it was a cable access television station. And at the time, I was like, ooh, this is the boss or whatever. But at the, uh, looking back, I was like, what a weird, unimportant job that was. <laughs> so weird. Um, he kind of like played in a band. And sometimes he would commandeer the station and show his band playing. It was That's it, cool. Like is, show some music. Was he supposed to be doing that? I, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Like all of us for working there had like was dedicated like time slots. Yeah. Well, no, no. I mean, it wasn't like that. But oh, well, it could have been because all of us had times where we could air whatever we did wanted you- to. Did you? put something on air i did what did you do we put movies that we made on air oh that's funny yeah that's super exciting i didn't um, know if you would like do a dance or something yeah would you do a dance i'm sure i did some dances in those movies (laughs) i don't remember that's um, good yeah um it was rare that that happened but occasionally we got to do that and and sometimes they'd just say like go out and shoot all the stuff going on in town so they just said go out and shoot stuff and we'll put it on and how old were you like seven no, I was. I think I started in eighth grade and worked there until I was like a, so, a sophomore. Or they something. let you do that in eighth grade. They were yeah. like, "We trust this person to do t- <laughs> all the TV child. for our yeah, town." Maybe I was older. Yeah, I was pretty young. I don't remember Jeez, exactly. That's cool. Yeah, but, no, I know. Um, I'm impressed that you were able to find jobs at that age. Yeah, how I is found, that possible? I've always worked since I was in fourth grade. I've been working so. I also worked at a bunch of other places, but I worked at another farm where I, I became a boss. Oh, yeah? Not How'd the that main go? boss, but I, I was not final king, but I was mini king. Um, <laughs> it was interesting. You were the assistant manager? Yeah, it was um, <laughs> yeah. It was during a tough, a tough time when it was really hard to find a job. Oh, actually, before that, I worked for a landscaper, and that was one of the only bosses that i would say is a bad boss because he would put us in physical harm's way a lot (laughs) and one time we lost a chainsaw and he got really angry and then threatened to fire us and threatened to kill us and he wanted that chainsaw he had us all lined up like it was like in the army or something and and he was like marching up and down just telling us how he's gonna pound us into oblivion and stuff like that what and then how old are you I forgot. Well, this time, this was like a summer from college, so probably. Oh, okay. Like so you weren't like a, a seven year old? A small child. <laughs> <laughs> no, but then he went back to his truck and he found that he had taken it to an or another job site and it now was just in the back of his truck. And then I was like, I think, um, I think I quit. And then he's like, What? You're doing such a good job. I was about to make you a foreman. And I was like, No, I quit. 
<laughs> you're like you are the worst and then i went and worked on this other farm where i became kind of the boss and i was overseeing the loading dock so anyway jeez i had a bunch of weird jobs but everyone was always really nice except, except for, for that, that one guy, guy. Mm-hmm. they so, might have been weird in certain ways they all have like their own personal quirks but i feel like a lot of times you'll work with your boss and you will come to appreciate those quirks as them being a human i feel like that is true kind of like when you first realize your teacher is a human and not just like a robot that lives at the school <laughs> yeah Sometimes i hope none of my students think that i'm like that them. yeah what <laughs> i actually kind of do live at the school so that's fine let's talk about that for a second so when you think about your bosses there's plenty of jokes around the idea of your boss right mm-hmm. from all of our favorite tv shows and you can think of all the bosses and all the movies about being in an office Mm-hmm. The bosses are often portrayed as tyrants or mm-hmm. idiots. Bossy pants. Yeah, super bossy or, <laughs> you know, know incompetent. Me when she said that. <laughs> you, Chris, you. And you know what I mean? There's constantly kind of yeah. this, this thing where you're like, oh, yeah, the boss, of course. It's either somebody that drills you into the ground, like that guy that tried to, to berate you guys for losing his own chainsaw, or they're idiots that are, are super idiots. Right. But that's not true. And as you have just stated, only one of many strange bosses that you've had um, are are like that. So why do you think that, that that's always something that people go to? Um, I think it's, it's from the underdog, I guess, or the employee's perspective. I think it's easy to feel like the people above you are the dumb ones. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Do you what agree? do you think? Do you know. think that? Yeah. I don't know. I think... Especially in, I don't even know what to call, like, our other jobs are, like, random employment. I think it's easy to see them, like, chatting with people or doing whatever, and you're like, what are you even doing? How are you even getting stuff done? Or what is your, I mean, a lot of the time in the restaurant, a manager's job is to just, like, walk around and chat with people, you know? And so it's really hard to see what they're actually doing. And if you don't necessarily get along with them, it's really like, difficult. I make sandwiches and you made zero sandwiches. So you're not <laughs> doing a job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that yeah. makes sense. I mean, I, my, I had a very different perspective on bosses. My entire, probably all the way, pro- actually through some of my corporate jobs even, you know, it took me a long time to change my view on what a boss was supposed to be. So ever since my first days of having jobs, I think what I wanted a boss to be was somebody who was an expert, who was so good at the thing that they were doing that they were flawless. You know, somebody who could be like both my like teacher and my mentor and my parents all at once, you know? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a high expectation. That's super high expectation. So what the result of that was is I would always be let down. And so I constantly was comparing my idea of what I thought a boss was supposed to be with the reality where everybody's a person. Everybody's like a, a human being who does not perfect stuff all the time. And once I saw some of that, I was like, oh, there it is. That's why this person should not be my boss anymore. (laughs) So so this is horrible, but I'm going to tell you this. So all the way through, probably through high school, I was constantly looking for those flaws in my bosses. And I was the, the kind of person that once I found that, I was like, oh, no, no, no. No, you are not doing it right. You are not a flawless person. 
and I had a, a personal like mission to get a better one. So I'm like, this person's out of here. And I probably made those people's lives horrible because I would come in and I would just like pick apart every single thing that they did, looking for every single reason why they shouldn't be my boss. And it's funny because now that I think back, I'm like, what a horrible employee I probably was. <laughs> what, a, what a mean person. But I remember specifically doing that to somebody at a toy store I worked to. She was probably, like you said, even though she wasn't making all the sandwiches. Okay, so I'm going back to that that piece of it i was sitting there making the sandwiches wondering why she wasn't making sandwiches with me except for we were at a toy store and there's no sandwiches you know so instead of understanding that that sandwich sucks it tastes like plastic yeah i was like instead of realizing that her job was to be kind of an overseer to make everything run smoothly instead of actually kicking out like the same kind of stuff that i was doing i was like what a lazy person you know how come she's not doing anything never doing anything you know feel like mm-hmm. I'm working really hard. So, yeah, I tried to get her fired and I was uh and I succeeded. Yeah, well, from your perspective, you were out there, you know, during Christmas like pushing the register and doing all these things from a lowly employee's perspective. The boss is like, "All right, you guys deal with all this stuff and I'm going to go back in the office and do whatever. Push papers or so, you know, whatever it is and yeah. it seems yeah. like they're just sitting around." Well, it does. Yeah. It's very easy to think that you guys are supposed to be yeah. doing the same stuff it's also i don't know if you experienced this but when you go in the manager's office at the end of the night to get like your i don't know this is especially in a restaurant but if you're going to get like your final tip out or whatever and they're watching like youtube videos and then like having pandora play and then they're like doing a bunch of other stuff and you're like you aren't really working in here you're just hanging out or chatting with your friends online or whatever and so it's really easy to be see like that very like slim part of their day where they're just like relaxing yeah yeah well that's the thing and so now here's where i'm at right so i don't have really i don't really have a boss right now you know you're your own boss yeah which is a totally different universe than having being in a system with a very specific role a very specific thing Mm -hmm. i think from my times in my toy store days to now, I have an extremely different perspective on what that's like. Because as a teacher, I mean, I guess you could kind of consider it being a teacher kind of like being a boss, you know? Yeah. Where you're kind of trying to get the whole group of people to do something all at once and keeping them motivated and stuff like that. Um, when I was an art director, I certainly was in the role of of being somebody's boss for something. And so, again, same kind of rules and perspective, keeping things going for the company, making sure things get done, trying to shuffle stuff around. And now, because I work for myself, when I'm my own boss, it's very, very strange because I get on myself for the same things I used to get on my old bosses for. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're your own biggest critic sometimes with the pace that you're going or what you're getting done or what you're supposed to be doing. And depending on the kind of person you are, you tend to have, I tend to have a much heavier handed, like, you should be doing this, Lindsay, right this second. Why are you not getting these scenes done? Yeah, well, I was going to ask your original list of qualifications for, like, what you want your boss to be. Do you think that you try to, like, fulfill those now? I'd like to think that I do an okay job. I mean, you guys should let me know because you work with me. But I feel like there there's a couple things that 
oh man so it's hard to not be like a like a a flawed human being sometimes you know i'll come in and i'll i'll not have my coffee i was talking about this the other day with you guys not have my coffee i'll be super crabby and i'll walk in and i'm just like and then i'll have to go get my coffee and then i feel a little bit better you know or something's not going quite right i'll have my mini freakouts and stuff like that um and you know when you anytime you work with any human beings ever I always feel like it's your job to realize that your actions are and do affect the people around you and it's it's constantly trying to be present with how your energy is like flowing out to everybody else in the room. So I try. Can't always do it cuz it's just hard to be a human being sometimes, but I think for a lot of the things that are on the top of my list for a good boss are again the people who try to be a teacher or mentor and that has always been I actually had a couple really good bosses um, when I worked at Target and when I was there I had some design managers that were perfect examples of people that kind of took you under their wing and helped you kind of you know figure out new things and and I always appreciated that that was one of those qualities that I never forgot because it made you feel like a team member. It made you feel like you were trusted with some kind of responsibility. And then, you know, just the fact that they could gauge you on not only your performance of your day-to-day stuff, but they could help you advance, you know, not just mm-hmm. keeping you in one random spot, but helping you advance to some kind of other, bigger, better version of yourself that was really helpful. And so I try and think about that. And I think that's sort of something I think about in, as being a teacher, but also as, as just being like a coworker. It makes me wonder sometimes if you, when you are making the sandwiches and you're like, how come you're not out here making the sandwiches? Yeah. <laughs> Which is going to be the continuing. Yeah. But a good boss will let you do it yourself and figure it out for yourself and fail for yourself. A bad boss is someone who would make the sandwich and would take it away from you halfway through and be like, nope, no, yeah. no. Let me, Not good enough. Yeah, or let me show you what, you know, like, let me just do it because I, I can do it better. And so maybe um, in that case, somebody who is more hands-on is actually a worse boss and they would be a better employee because they are ex- excellent and an expert at like making the sandwich instead of directing other people to make the sandwiches and making sure that they learn for themselves and get on the same page. So, How do you think that's something that people can learn? I feel like that's something that is either a very hard step. If you, if you, had, if you climb the ladder, right, or whatever, climb, <laughs> climb the ladder, ladder to a management position, mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's natural for people to help you through that. Sometimes it's not a very natural transition for somebody to go from making everything to helping others like plan the stages of whatever they're doing like why do you think that's so hard for some people to think about management versus doing the you know making the sandwich well I, one thing i think it is the mindset there's a lot of designers who are like i want to be designers forever and i never want to be in management uh if they are kind of foisted into management then they have a hard time letting go of certain aspects that they kind of wanted to be doing so i think that might have something to do with it do you think like as an art director, you know, the people that end up as creatives that have moved in an art director position, do you think do you think those people have just a different perspective on how they're contributing to the to the whole or is it just that it's a difference of what you actually want to be doing with your time and why and some people are able to to give up the drawing aspect to think about the conceptual aspect or I think it's some people can just figure that out and some people probably have to learn it. I know that when you were art director, you kind of 
we're trying to do a lot yourself as well. Um, and part of that might be the amount of time it takes to explain what you need to somebody else and you not really thinking it's worth it and you can just do it faster. Part of that might be just not having trust in other people to be able to execute and just, you know, thinking that you are better at it. Um, so it could be a bunch of different things. I mean, it could totally be a bunch of different things. The, the funny thing is, I think when I was an art director, I was in charge of 35 um, licensed artists. And mm-hmm. so every season we would do 300, 400 pieces of artwork that would go into the catalog. So it was all stationary stuff. And um, I would reach out to people and and this is kind of how it went. And it's actually very similar to what we do at Light Gray in a way. We'd say, here's a big broad category you know, you would be great at this, submit whatever you think is appropriate. And then, you know, if I have really specific sizes or parameters, I mean, it's almost identical to what we do here. Um, People would like, people would submit the things that they thought were good answers. And sometimes they were great answers and sometimes they weren't quite right. And you'd work with somebody back and forth. Sometimes they were way off, you know, just depending on what it was. But I think there was an element of learning to trust people to, give it their all and to to be able to look at what came back and be like this has merit in so many other ways different than what i would have done myself Mm -hmm. and i think learning to be an art director was a massive step in a totally different way of thinking for me it made me appreciate some of my other bosses that i used to just not get what they were doing you know because i was like why aren't you drawing all day i just thought that the higher up your, you know, you went in the ladder in a design place, the quicker you were and the better drawer you were, you know, that's what I assumed. Everybody just had these skills, but then I was like, why is everybody so lazy? You know? And instead it was, you know, it's, it's amazing that I had these thoughts. Right. But that's kind of how I figured I was like, why, how come all the people at the, you know, on the bottom where I was are the ones that are doing all the work. So when it was interesting, like seeing all these things came in, I think that gave me a greater appreciation of letting people have control over their own creative voice. And it let me appreciate, again, the things that people would own themselves. And I think that a great amount of freedom, like as a good boss, I think you're right. Like if you let somebody make their own version of a sandwich, they're going to do things and, and flavor it in a way that's, you know, like a really positive new thing that you never would have done if you have just a formula, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and thinking about how your boss is sitting, not drawing or something like that at a, at a company that's all about design and things like that. Um, I, I don't know if I was quite as critical as you. (laughs) I was super critical. I was super critical. But I do remember when I did start working, um, a lot for a good giftware company, I was actually brought in by, basically what amounts to my boss's boss's boss kind of so very high up she was at there was five floors to the company and she was on the fifth floor but because i was kind of brought in on this special project basis i was free to um, kind of see all sides of the company because i was working directly with someone at the very top yeah so i remember getting in the elevator one time and i hit five and someone else was like you're going to the fifth floor? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, I'm afraid to go on that floor. I wouldn't even go on that floor. And I was like, okay, well, that's where my desk is. So I guess I'm <laughs> up there. But, but I got to see like the amount of meetings and the amount of like numbers and sales and the amount of expectations that were placed on people at that level where 
if something doesn't sell well as a junior designer or even designer or whatever, they'll probably let you know and say, these didn't sell well. Next year, we're going to do something different. Yeah. But at the top level, whoever made those decisions would be the one who takes the real brunt of the... Of the thing. Of the thing. Like they yeah. might, it might cost them a lot, um, even a job in some cases, because right. they're the ones who are actually being like, this is the direction we need to be moving. So they're kind of steering the ship. So, um, you know, if a ship crashes into an iceberg, it's not the guy in the coal room shoveling coal who's going to be in trouble. It's the, it's the captain. So right. um, I think I got a kind of cool, unique perspective just from yeah. kind of being in all slices of this at the same time. Yeah. Do you um, think there was a big difference then of what you were doing versus what they were doing? It was just like Yeah, definitely. I mean I was not I was not doing any of the highest corporate level things. I was just I would just happen to be working there because this was sort of a unique thing they were trying to push into. So it was a new right. category that they hadn't had established. They didn't have the the structure for the rest of the company that they kind of already had pre established. So um I definitely wasn't making decisions on the corporate level, but um I just got to peek in that window for a little while when you guys worked with other people do you find that if you had like a certain amount of longevity at a place right chris you worked there for what four or five years Mm -hmm. and then jenny you worked at the most recent restaurant for what three years yeah three Three or four years something like that yeah so when you watched over that period of time somebody actually rise through the ranks could you see certain qualities in that person if you look way 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 back that were sure signs that they were going to be somebody who was going to aim for boss status. Are there certain things and personalities you think that that just automatically make you maybe a more natural candidate for management versus somebody who would never want to be a manager? Not that they can't be one, but they don't want to be one. Maybe. I mean, there's a couple people that I'm specifically thinking about that ended up becoming a manager or a boss because of um, their, like, people relations. They weren't necessarily super outgoing, but they were sort of level-headed and didn't react strongly when somebody was, like, aggressive or yelling or doing anything like that. They could just, like, calmly evaluate the situation and figure out what to do, and they were, like, responsible but also really laid back. And I don't know how somebody, like, sees these qualities at I was thinking of specific people that I worked with that we were all on the same level and then the people who were asked to become managers and like trained in as managers. As servers, I didn't necessarily see those qualities and I was like, man, that person's lazy or that person's whatever. They're always asking me to watch watch their section or do whatever. Um, And I always thought of them as lazy and then they were asked to be managers and it totally made sense as a manager position. They're much better at like delegating delegating, looking over um, like a crowd of people and being able to decide what to do at that time and not really worrying about all the other stuff. Um, So maybe, and I was actually thinking of the Myers-Briggs personality types because there is the manager type. Yeah. um, Who just happens to be good at like overviewing and looking and communicating ideas with people. And maybe that is a quality that those people had. I just couldn't see it at the time. And what about you, Chris? Do you feel like that's something similar? Did you ever notice something in somebody where you're like, well, they they eventually became a manager of support, and then you look back and you go, oh, of course, of course you would be a manager. Um, I think I've had other jobs where that happened more probably. I mean, I worked, 
a tiny bit at Target, and I could see that a little bit more there because that was a, a company that there was more movement like that. There's very specific like levels of yeah. where you went. When I worked at Department 56, it was through a a time of change, I guess, where people were getting shuffled in and out of the company because it, it kept changing management. Um, so instead of people getting moved up, it would just be... Fill a gap. People, yeah, it would be like this CEO is gone and they put a new one in. This person is gone and they put a new one in. Instead oh. of shifting somebody that's been there up. Right, Not right. climbing yep. the ladder. Right. So yeah. it wasn't... Yeah. So like I don't think it might have been a time where a designer could move up to an art director who could move up to something like a some higher position. But during my time, that wasn't really happening. Um, the team that I worked with was very small and very... Um, just very small and focused. So more like and a collaborative group. It was a more of a collaborative group and we did have a hierarchy, but it wasn't it wasn't really anyone reporting to I mean we did report to people, I guess, but um the way we worked it was we all just kind of played to our strengths. So it wasn't like we had a stack and we we're like, we have to get through the stack. We would sit like down in a meeting and we and... would say, you know, like this person is the best at this, so they should take on this project. And we just had all of the work we had to do, and we so said who would be the best, and we would just kind of talk, and we all knew each other's strengths, so we would just say, well, obviously that I'll take this one. Obviously, you know, it wasn't even almost a discussion by the end because we knew each other so well, and we're just like, well, this is for Natalie, this is for Wendy. Do you this think that me. happens more in a small team? I'm sure it is probably easier to come to that point in a small team. Where you kind of, everybody just sort of understands each other so well that you just... You play to each other's strengths. Mm-hmm. So even if you didn't have the opportunity to kind of see people, you know, like rise through the ranks or whatever, do you feel like as these days now, I mean, we have a small team here and we do almost the same thing that you were talking about. So depending on what's going on, we all wear different hats. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like as a person who has to deal with a lot of your own agendas and like your own schedule, we all are working towards a singular goal and we're all doing drastically different stuff that has to come together at the same time. So in some ways, you know, you're doing things as a group. In other ways, you're doing things, you're being the boss of yourself. Right. Do you think over the last three years, you've gotten better at certain things, being the boss of yourself of certain things, time management, shuffling stuff around, knowing what's essential, what's not essential, you know, helping interns, not helping interns. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I probably have gotten better at just knowing the limits of what's possible, I really? guess. Like to be like previously, we might have been like, here's all the things we have to do. We're going to do them. And then we start doing them. And now we might look at the same list and be like, well, that isn't going to happen. It's impossible. <laughs> so we need to like reevaluate. <laughs> like to put what a we're video game out in a month or something. Oh, well, now, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Just things like that. Where, <laughs> I think that I maybe am more realistic about the amount of time that something might take or the amount of time that should be dedicated to something. Whereas before when you, it's kind of like you're in that situation where you're like, you're patching it together. How long is this going to take? I don't know. Might take an hour. It might take a week. I'm not sure. I have to figure it out and do it. And that's why the first time is always like the hardest learning curve. It's like a giant hill. And then after that, you kind of know, because now we can look at a thing that's upcoming and we're like, this will take exactly this amount of time for planning and this you have amount experience. of time for whatever. Right. Yeah. 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 So and it th- kind of makes it easier. It also helps to have the small group dynamic, I think, where, um, for instance, if I had to write the entire press release, it probably would take me a long time. 
because I'd have to start from scratch and I would be thinking about, I don't even know why it would take longer, but it would, but if, if Jenny just writes something, if she writes anything that I can then, yeah, if she just builds a block of all the information so I don't have to go looking up dates because she has, you know, her head wrapped around all the dates and exactly who's in it and what's going on and everything like that. And then she gives me that. I can like pretty quickly whip that into something else and then maybe I'll hand it to Francesca who will do the editing and hand it back Mm -hmm. to Jenny who will like do one more pass. And between all of our passes, we probably take half the time that it would take me to just sit there and do it myself. So here's a good question for you then. So, so So you have leveled up somehow just through experience. Do you think at this point if tomorrow we hired six people for fun (laughs) (laughs) and then three of them worked under you, Chris, and three of them worked under you, Jenny, and I just went in the back and made a sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like you would be able to be a good boss? No, probably not for that many people. Maybe Three people? Th- three people three at people. once just for me just for you no 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 you'd probably Why? get nothing done yourself would you get nothing done i think how I would, would that work i think i would have to spend all my time finding time to delegate to three people so you would have to give up everything you did to to help delegate yeah i think that i do not probably do three people's worth of job so i don't know how that would i mean it, it depends on i'm i'm just trying to imagine what i was would be handing if them, you're so. like i got a list i got a list of projects a million miles long well that's where the I'd trust like to get issue more done. would probably yeah. come in it's like with dream arcade a lot of people wanted help but it was it's so hard to even put it in a package that is comprehensible to anyone who hasn't been in since the ground level is that trust or is that truly what it is it's probably a mixture of both yeah because i probably could spend the time to sit with someone and work but we just didn't have the time to do that Mm -hmm. so it would have had to trust that that whatever i handed them they could figure out do it and then give it back but if that was the case it would have to work yes because there was not time to for it to not work so in those circumstances so because i couldn't guarantee that i couldn't i just couldn't figure out how to do that so it just didn't happen and do you feel the same way? Would you be able to do it if you had well, three people? Real quick? I usually have like two or three interns that I'm working with at a time, which is kind of like three employees. I don't know. They're not here as often as employees would be. But I was actually wondering when you were talking earlier, Chris, about being like hands on or not hands on and like letting people do it themselves. And maybe this is with interns, but I was wondering if I am a good boss because I was like, I'm pretty hands on with interns. Like, telling them exactly how it has to happen and like showing them exactly where it goes i think there's a training aspect that has to happen right no i'm not saying that you can't tell them and show them i think that but it's just like if you constantly take it from them yes and i think that that's why i was like well sometimes i take it from because it has to get done like it has to right and that's the the hard part if there's a person in once a week you kind of have to do it and maybe it does have to do with like a timeline thing like if we didn't have deadlines and we were like we'll have a show sometime pick it up next week yeah, and yeah. just like continue this thing you're working on next time and yeah. check your work or whatever. But that's the difficult thing when you're like, you're going to be here for four hours on this random Saturday and we have to like <laughs> yeah. make sure that I teach you how to do a bunch of different things. So I do think that that's a challenge for me as 
as like managing them because there are days where I am just like bouncing between people and being like, how's this going? How's this going? Let me check on you for this. And I do get a lot less done those days just you because personally, it is. Do yeah. you feel like as a group though, do you feel like the potential for getting more things done is greater if you were to, to train them first? Yes. I also think like, and this goes with anything, training a new person, like there's a lot of and this is the same for teaching. There's a lot of prep work that has to go into things. Yep. And it's a lot of like, well, I was planning on doing this, but I can show you how to do it. And so now transferring that stuff over and like reevaluating my stuff. So I do think lots gets done, but it's also tricky because I need my time to like figure out what's coming, you know? Yep. So I don't know. It is tricky. I don't know how you balance all the things, but well, I'm I think sure you can as... be the best boss you can. And in an ideal world, it'd be perfect. But in real life, when timelines and things get in the way, then it's hard. Then you just do your best, to, but things have to get done. And I was yeah. thinking of a prime example of that is in paper bicycle. When let's say we had Francesca working on something and then it's time to send it into the client and we open it up before we email it to them. And then it's not exactly right or something like that. And it is midnight on a, you know, sa- Sunday night. Yeah. And it's due Monday morning. And the best thing, thing yeah, to, would be to, you know, give it back to Francesca and say, oh, Francesca, can you make these changes or something like that? So then she can kind of like see this thing through. And, you know, if it's a client you work with all the time, then, you know, you can learn what that client needs or wants or whatever. But in the reality, the changes have to be made immediately. So maybe, you know, you would make them or I would make them or somebody would make them who's on the scene right then and there. Can do it. Just do, do it. it. Get, it mm-hmm. get it done. And do it. And then send it off. And then the train keeps rolling. And then six months from now, we might do the same thing. And Francesca never even saw the changes we made because they just kind of like went out the door without even going back to her. Yeah. Um. So just things like that where the best situation would just have, you know, delegated it. But the timeline just didn't allow that. Yeah. yeah. And that's really hard. Well, the reason why I ask you guys that question about like, do you feel like you would be a good boss if somebody just plopped a bunch of yeah. like potential help? You know, I think that's one thing that I think is very interesting about like running your own ship. Yeah. Right? I think I'm a good boss of myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that if that's like a fair thing to say. No, I'm sure there are lots is. of things that I'm also not doing in exchange for whatever. This is what but. I want to talk about. I, I So for everybody out there that runs a freelance business, it's your business. You have to deal with your deadlines and your clients and your I mean, yeah, you have art directors that are kind of like your boss. But when you when you come down to like looking at your own schedule and getting all your stuff done, a lot of people that do freelance work, I know this resonates with resonates with me because it's how life is you get it you just fit it in where you can and you have to be so like knowledgeable about what your schedule is that you you know how to manage big fluctuations in productivity and weird deadlines and all sorts of stuff and it becomes a balancing act of trying to figure out if you if you're that kind of person so remember Mm -hmm. when I asked you guys if you saw certain qualities in a boss that that we're just able to be you know, somebody who was a really good manager. They turned out to be a really good manager or they were promoted to be a manager, you know, mm-hmm. and there are other people that are just really good at getting things done in a freelance situation, which one of those qualities, and this may be a trick question, do you think is more important getting things done or managing a bunch of stuff? <laughs> in a productivity setting? In, I guess. in a freelance situation, if you're a freelance designer, freelance illustrator, 
What's more important, the ability to get a lot of stuff done, just get things done, or the ability to be a manager? Probably getting stuff done, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I... What do you think? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's tricky. I feel like it's a trick question. It is a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because I feel like you should be a good manager that allows you to be more productive. Most you know? illustrators, yeah, I was going to say, most illustrators get the productive part and they just power through it mm-hmm. and spend their, burn the midnight oil, as they say. Um, and it's not the smartest way to do it. And it's kind of a burnout scenario where you push, 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 and eventually something has to give or one sickness or one unexpected event will throw everything out of whack. Because your computer explodes. Your com- Yeah. And I'm in that situation right now. So <laughs> Chris computer's exploding. <laughs> well, what do you think? I mean, for somebody who is their own boss, what do you think in that case, all that stuff that I said, where I said, you know, my ideal boss would be somebody who's a mentor and a teacher and a parent and uh, whatever, <laughs> you know, like all these things that all the qualities that I thought were fantastic about somebody who sits there and like allows me to grow. How do you feel like somebody can do that for themselves as a freelancer because as as we all know because we are all freelancers you know it is very easy to repeat yourself again and again and again and to get stuck in the same ways of working same weird like schedules that you use you know it's very hard to break out of it because again as an isolated individual you're just working all the time you do stuff the way you know it right how do you, how would a person even influence their own practice as like their own boss without having external people kind of like show you a new way of doing it? What would you even tell somebody? Um, I think that, you know, just seeing how other people do it, talking to other creatives probably is a good place to start. Just seeing what another like freelancer would do? Yeah. And just learning from that. I think there's probably a moment where it is like a wake up call, you know, whether you did work too much and got burnt out or sick or something like that where you are thinking like i need to figure out a better way to do this i need to figure out a smarter way and it is like a forced evolution of just necessary necessary yeah necessary necessity so i give this talk at the end of my product design class every semester that i do it and i talk about how there's a huge lifestyle choice um you work full-time in an agency or you know, for for a, a company who gives you a salary, and you walk in and you have a boss, and you have stuff you have to do, and you have a schedule that's set for you, and that's your job. And there are a lot of things that you take on as a productive person that you don't have to take on as a manager. Mm-hmm. But then on the other side, as a freelancer, there's a lot of freedom that you get. But then you've got a lot more work managing your projects and making sure everything's going on in time. And we often talk about how much of a difference that is for like a certain kind of person. So if you think about that question I said, you know, if you see people around you who are rising to management status, it's it's interesting to think about what where your interest is. Not everybody's cut out to be like a self-manager, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some people are much more productive and can do cooler stuff with an agent. Right. You know? Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Since you've been on all sides of it, do you think you were more productive and i'll exchange that word for like creative in a position where you are just like given tasks or given like illustrations to make all day or do you think you make more now i think one thing that was always hard for me was 
I enjoy change and I like new challenges and repetition is not my favorite thing. And so I think although my pace got quicker and I felt like I was trying to give good answers to solid questions, you know, that people would give me when I worked in-house somewhere, I think once it seemed formulaic, I got bored. And so I think now sort of the chaos is something that's inspiring. Flexing things in different places is really good for me. I don't think I was I don't think I was a very patient employee. I think I always expected progress for myself and for my team and for everybody else, even people that worked above me. I was constantly thinking like, we should be doing more, we should be doing this faster, better, cooler, you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think I'm sure it was annoying. So I think now it makes a lot more sense that I'm my own boss because I can answer to my own pace. And I think pace was probably the number one thing that made it fitting for me. I think the people that do not want to have the pressure of figuring out pace would probably really love the structure of a pace that's set so you can focus on the details and the artwork. So I think I get a lot done, but in a different way. I think I'm able to think bigger. I'm able to think of things at a quicker pace. I do get more done... And this is this is the thing that I have to say two parts to. I get more done these days than I ever have. But but if you're saying, do I get more artwork made? No. It's kind of a strange thing. Do I make thing. more artwork with my hand? No. Right. Some people's dream is to just sit there and draw. And yeah. the simple act of drawing is, awesome. is what they want. And yeah. it doesn't matter what they're drawing. It doesn't matter what they're drawing for. They just want a job where they can draw. Right. And some people are happy with that forever. That's something that you definitely wanted at a certain point. Yeah. But I think that there's a difference between repetition and creativity, which could be drawing, but it could be a million other things too. Yeah. And it's very personal. Right. It's very, very personal. I think a lot of the things that I relish a lot about what we do here, I am probably not drawing some stuff, Mm -hmm. but I'm thinking (laughs) and so i'm the person again that sits behind the door like with a youtube video on researching some like cosmos situation or something like that if somebody were to walk in they'd be like what are you doing (laughs) you know or like poking around and making a template for something so it's funny because i think a lot of that we talked about incubating we talked about like having all these different influences that have to come together. You know, there's a lot of critical thinking that happens that when you're org- you're organizing a big thing, you don't do the minutia sometimes. Sometimes you do and you're on your face, like with your like hands in a skateboard in a puddle of water, you know. And other times you're not and you're, you're like, how does this fit with this? And what would happen if this happened? It's a lot of thinking. I actually get really tired sometimes because I have to sit and think a lot. <laughs> I had to go to class and I had to transition my brain from like think mode to like talk mode. It's mm-hmm. very weird. But um, but it's strange though. I think it's really important to know that it's every single part of that is good. If you want to be somebody who kicks out a bunch of actual pieces of artwork, you're doing it right. If you're somebody who wants to think about big, you know, big concepts, you're doing it right. It's just a matter of taste of what you're into. And like in terms of bosses, I think that's the thing that I was mostly like, you know, when you're talking about like bosses of video games and everybody's got this idea of somebody oppressing you and some kind of like, you know, structure that you're not super into or what do we talk about the Hierophant yeah. in tarot? You know, there's like a structure that you're thrown into that you have to deal with certain things. And I always think that there's, of course, there's always the, the 
the growing pains with learning that stuff, but there's other parts where you're like, if I didn't have the structure, I wouldn't be forced to change, you know? I wouldn't be forced to try something different. To, like, make a decision? Yeah, Yeah, if somebody didn't come and tell me to do it differently, I'd be doing the same thing forever. Right. You know? Well, maybe that's why we have been talking so much about, like, the love-hate side of the bosses, (sighs) where you, like, hate the battle, and then you're like, oh, that one, that one was so good. Yeah. I don't know. Because it did, like, provide something else that you weren't expecting. Every single boss, don't you have to do something totally different, for the most part? Unless it's, like, one, like, what's that? Depends uh, on the game, but yeah. Kratos, I mean, what's really, that one? God of War. Yeah, don't you just smash a button forever? Yeah, well, that's well. <laughs> depends on who you talk to. I don't know. Okay, never mind. I, I just might have offended a Kratos' lovers. I think the <laughs> definition of a good boss is it's a different situation that you have to approach with a unique and completely new mindset if you're doing the same thing in a game. Yeah. And maybe I'm talking about life. I don't know. If you Ooh. do the same thing for every single boss fight, it probably gets boring. Yeah. So... Um, that's why I really liked my boss. Metal Gear Solid does a really good job of making every boss really different and strange and unique. So, um, but then there's other bosses. Who did you do? Who's your, who's your guy? I did the end from Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. And what, what's that guy like for anybody that doesn't know? He is a one over 100 year old sniper. He's the father of sniping. He is photosynthetic which means he can just lay around and feed off sunlight. So he really can like camp out for a really long time. Um, The battle you fight him in, it's a giant open area. um, And he is pretty much invisible. He's very camouflaged. And you have to spend a lot of time staying motionless, looking for the glint of sunlight off of his sniper rifle. Or sometimes he falls asleep because he's an ancient old man. And... (laughs) You can hear him snoring and you can kind of like sneak around, you know, towards the direction of the sound. You can watch for his bird who also acts as his spotter um, who's flying around the jungle. And what's interesting about it is depending on how you approach it, some people it takes hours to beat it. Whoa. I mean, if you know what you're doing, you can do, you you can do it instantly. Like you can do it super fast around? if you know what you're doing. Yeah, it's just it is it was meant to patience. convey a real sniper battle of patience and observation and skill and Originally, Hideo Kojima, who's the director of that game, wanted it to take a week or two. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Which uh, and obviously that's they were like, "Don't do that." Like, sitting in front of the screen. I don't know what he he's pretty he's pretty out there. He has some pretty <laughs> weird ideas. So that's awesome, though. You know, good for him for having like very specific ways that you're supposed to experience this thing. But he's still and he, and he's very good at that, and he still did it. So it, I mean, it felt like a sniper battle. It and that's one thing I like about games is when they really like. Commit, think about it they commit yeah. to a design philosophy or something like that the other really awesome thing about the end is he's ancient and if you really just got sick of skulking around the jungle looking for him you can just turn off the system and if you don't turn it back on for a week during that boss battle he will have died of old age when you turn it back on Aww. spoilers i guess <laughs> Aww. so you could you can get around it if you really cannot it's not that hard though but it's a very interesting thing. So you feel That's like cool. for for the the metaphor here that we're going for in this whole conversation is that you do learn something different every single time. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure bosses. I'm is sure being a boss is he always in a different spot. He's always like in a various. We'll yeah, have he, to show you. He some moves mutual. around. Okay. He yeah. moves around, <laughs> and you can find him and he moves and stuff like that. But oh, okay. But there, I'm. It's a video game, so there's probably some formula hidden behind everything that you could you could exploit. But yeah, I'm sure as a boss. Just like being a teacher, just like being anything else, you are learning 
adapting, struggling, you know, just because you are a boss doesn't mean that it is an easy thing to just like command people. It's probably actually harder. Mm -hmm. I found that it often is, is really difficult to kind of be in that position. So maybe it is like, I don't know. I've lost my analogy to the video game. That was your (laughs) analogy, but (laughs) that was mine. Oh, that's super funny. One of my more recent bosses, uh, we were pretending to be bosses and she would say, she's like, if you were ever a boss, you should fake fire someone in front of me right now. Like fake fire this host or fake fire this other person. And it seemed like the hardest task in the world to try and be serious and actually fire someone. But I was just imagining like, I don't know, I'm sure that all bosses have like a difficult stuff to deal with, which firing people is probably one of them. I don't know. You seem to fire fire your own bosses easily but <laughs> fire my own bosses yeah, i'm like yeah. you not worth not worth being my boss yeah i don't know yeah no I'm i mean i'm sure person. there are all sorts of difficult tasks that go along with well, that i feel like there's it's just just like in general i was talking to one of my students the other day and we were talking about how there's there's some there's some tough teachers you know sometimes like everybody's got their own reputation as a teacher you know you mm-hmm. get the tough ones that are super critical you know the ones that come in and they are too nice you know there's ones in the middle you know there's like everybody's got their own tactics same thing as being a boss there's all these different ways that you deal with people and some people it's all about instilling the fear of failure don't do it right you're gonna fail other people it's all about motivating people and being their cheerleader others it's just one-on-one time i mean every single person has a different way of dealing with it so I think that's what the hard thing is. I mean, it's everybody's a person and that's, like you said, it's hard. You know what your personality is and you know you know that you're going to be interacting with people and you have to make, I mean, truly, as a boss, you're trying to help people be efficient and let them shine. That's the point about being a boss. Letting, letting their good qualities be the best that they can be. That's my philosophy, I guess. Efficiency, productivity, and then trusting people and helping them be the best version of whatever it is that they're trying to do. I feel like it's a decent philosophy. I don't think that's what video game bosses do. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess it, they help you with your skills, right? Yeah. What were the three things you said? Being Pro- productive, okay. efficient, okay, and then helping you do the things that you need to do the best. Yeah, I think that's... In a certain way, that is kind of what they do. They are a test of everything you've learned in a game up to that point. So well, I guess maybe you have that to do true. it the best you can. Ah, you have to be efficient <laughs> because it, bosses almost act as a timer. Yeah, because they it's usually like a their attacks hurt you no matter what or something. So yeah. it's kind of like can you beat them before they beat you? So yeah. you have to be efficient and productive, and uh, it's a test of all your skills. I think that's a fine place to end our sweet conversation about bosses. So I'll I'll make a public apology to every boss that I tried to get fired. <laughs> Here it is. It's the only time I'll ever I'll ever say this out loud. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then here's a <laughs> and my promise to hopefully if I ever am in the position to tell people what to do, I'll try not to be bossy but helpful. So 
With that, you guys should know there are a couple cool things that are happening here that we just put out actually right on Friday. If you Mm -hmm. are stealthy, you may have seen some of this stuff pop up here on the blog. Um, We have a new call for art up. It's called Patches and Stitches, and it's a textile-based show. So those of you guys that have always wanted to screen print things or to embroider things, to bead things, to do needlework, to make badges or buttons or whatever else, now is a really good chance to do that. So we're doing a summer show that is split into two different rooms. The patches side is sort of the badass side. So we're looking for people that want to do dark, gritty, like wonderful, uh, like intricate back patches, patches that you put in your bags, jackets, whatever else. So On the other side, we have the beautiful side. So stitches, embroidery, needlework, all sorts of stuff. So the topics are up to you guys, but the format is all tactile. So that's the tactile nature of textile. So if you go on the blog, you'll see the whole entire thing. So if you'd like to try one of those, so if you're you're an illustrator that would just like to see what's up, we're going to have a bunch of resources for people to actually make these things into original objects. So it'll be a lot of fun, um, kind of a cool dual show. Besides that, we have just announced a new workshop um, here in Minneapolis. It's a two and a half day artist led workshop. We're having visiting artist Sam Bosma come all the way from New York to teach a comics workshop on storytelling and creativity. So he is going to be here telling us all the sweet things about his own practice, doing demos, lots of different lectures on business, um, self publishing, and talking about like how he does what he does. So it's actually going to be happening. It's opening on the same day that our Iceland exhibition is opening. So mm-hmm. last year we took a bunch of people to Iceland and you guys may have heard those podcasts of us roaming around being ridiculous. Um, so all people that were in the 2014 Iceland uh, residency program are doing a bunch of different work. And so we haven't talked a lot about it in general, but it is going to be happening this summer and it is opening with Sam's artwork um, as well as Callie's, Tegan's, um, Claire Collin, all sorts of people. You can see the full list of everybody that went here on May 22nd. So Sam will be leading a, a lecture that day, and you can find the full list of everything that is happening. It's a packed weekend, but it's open to locals and travelers. There is a travel package that's on there, too, and you can find that on shop.lightgrayartlab.com. It's right one of the first little buttons you can click on it and read all the information on it but we're really excited so it'll be super awesome and as as a special guest Callie Seesmeyer is coming too there you go so what else is going on well this week we have game night so this Thursday night from 6 30 to 9 30 what's the theme Chris the theme is vacation since it's getting sunny and bright and warm-ish <laughs> Warmish. Although we're Warmish. sitting in front of a space heater right now we recording this podcast, which yeah. you probably can hear humming in the background. But the theme is vacation. It's also spring break Woo-woo. for some people, I guess. Um, but we're going to be playing games that take you on magnificent adventures. We're going to be probably playing Isla Dorada, which is a Ooh. a journey through the jungle. You um, said that with such natural inflections. Did I? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> you did okay. Uh, and then we maybe Key Largo, which is a great uh, a great little economic vacationing game, kind of a strange little game, but really cool. And a bunch of other games. Again, the theme is just a starting place, and we usually branch out far and wide from there. <laughs> and it's up to you. So if you have a favorite board game, bring it. Um, 
I know some people who might be coming and bringing some really interesting games. Ooh, so, yeah. Um, Very yeah, nice. Check it out. Yeah. yeah. So that's this Thursday. I don't know what day that is. It is this Thursday. Yep. No it's one knows. This well, I don't know what Thursday. Day it is. I believe it's the 26th. Um, 26th. Okay. <laughs> and then this next weekend, if you guys are local and around and interested, we are actually going to be at GlitchCon which is going to be amazing. Um, There's maybe 600 or so people that are coming, and they're all from the Twin Cities. They work at Game Informer and Fantasy Flight and all sorts of really interesting places, and they're all video game and board game fans. So it is a two-day event, the 28th and 29th. Um, We will be teaching a workshop on the 28th that includes um, pixel art and platformer games. We'll be teaching people how to make their own sprite animations. And then that night, we were actually having the featured artists, um, the top 10 pieces from Boss Rush are going to be celebrated at a opening at GlitchCon. By the way, so. have we, would we, would we like to officially announce these people? Sure. So we want to send a huge congratulations to the top 10 pieces that were selected for GlitchCon. We actually had five guestures selecting the artwork that included uh, Claire Hummel from HBO, we had Tim Turry and Ben Hansen from Game Informer, Ava Krakel from Glitch, and then we also had um, Adam May from Gearbox during the top pieces. All right, and we are going to send a huge congratulations to the top 10 artists that were selected to be displayed and awarded at GlitchCon. The winners were Matt Rockefeller, Leonard Peng, Lydia Guadagnoli, Rodrigo Aviles, Chris Shones, Miranda Meeks, Richie Pope, Paul Reinwind, Victor Mori and Audrey Gonzalez. Congratulations, you guys. We're doing the awards ceremony at GlitchCon. Um, we've got ribbons for you guys and certificates. So we'll mail those out to everybody that won. And thank you so much to everybody that was a part of this show. It really was fantastic. And again, once we get those photos up there, you guys can take a peek at everybody that stopped by. And thanks to everybody that just came by and took a look. That's really nice of you guys. It was nice to see everybody. So lots of things coming up. Keep your eyes peeled. Um, where can they peel their eyes at? <laughs> what? <laughs> you can head on over to blog.lightgrayartlab.com. You can find us on Twitter. We're at lightgrayartlab. You can like us on Facebook and stay up to date there. You can follow our Tumblr, lightgrayartgallery.tumblr.com. And you can subscribe to the show on the iTunes Music Store or stream it directly on Stitcher Radio. And hey, we actually um, got a couple emails from you guys uh, requesting very special content. And so we're looking into that. So if you sent us a note at uh, podcast at likegrayartlab.com, we hear you. So stay tuned. Um, thanks again, you guys, for listening today and talking with us about bosses. And don't forget to stop in. If you're around, take a peek at the awesome gallery that we've got either on online or here. And we'll talk with you soon. Welcome to the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Knoll. I'm Jenny Bookler. And I'm Chris Heine. And due to the nature of this podcast, we shall be talking about the theme of the show. <laughs> Chris always likes it when I start podcasts out in a weird way. It's really hard to start a podcast, Chris. So <laughs> so the the nature that I'm talking about is the fact that we're actually doing... Uh, Some weird stuff with what I'm saying. (laughs)
football. That's like the nature of this podcast. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I distracted myself. All right, ready? Okay. Ava Cluddle. <laughs> Cradle. How do, you, how do you say her name? Crackle? Crackle? Crackle. Lydia. No. Oh. Gugliani. I think it's. I think it's. Guadagnoli or something like that. Guadagnoli. Google Jalji. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations, you guys. We're doing the award ceremony at Samari. Samar- <laughs> Samar- 